It's Bailey back here with another episode for the Life with B podcast. This one today is more for my speech pathology listeners, but do wait. If you don't know anything about speech pathology, I'd still encourage you to stick around and listen to since I think you'd be able to relate. When I was drafting a list of topics that I wanted to speak on for the podcast, I really tried to focus on, and I still do try to focus on, topics that educate, inspire, and challenge my listeners, and I thought this topic would be both educational and inspirational. And I know for me, it can be so helpful when people share what they wish they would have known before starting something, so that, paired with my goals for the content of the topic and podcast, I thought it would be perfect to share what I wish I would have known as an undergrad. And as much as I think there's a lot of great learning that comes from incidental learning and the things you explore as you walk through a situation, I think it can be really helpful to hear someone's perspective on something having already done it. Side note before we get started, I just realized before I hopped on to record the episode, um, I was looking at the date and episodes already published and I realized that the Life With Me podcast is just over a month old, which like the launch episode aired on May 16th, which was a little over a month ago. And as much as it doesn't seem like it's been a month, it, it seems so much shorter than that. You know, time flies when you're having fun and doing what you love and pouring your energy exactly where your heart is. And fun is nowhere near accurate to say what an experience this has been and what an outlet it's been. Like, I literally come home from work, sit down with my laptop right away, and plan for future episodes or explore what recording professionally might look like or other overall improvement things. Or when I can't fall asleep at night, I lay awake and think of um, ways to improve listener experience and ease of access and more. And it's brought so much joy into my life. Like, I can't even hardly explain it. It just, it doesn't feel like a chore at all, nor does it feel like this looming task on my to-do list. It just feels right. Like, just the perfect space to share what I like and be authentic and raw and real and There's a lot to my story that I haven't shared yet and so much that I do plan to share for you all to know me better and I'm so excited for that but for now I'm still kind of getting settled in. However, I have lots planned for the future so I'd hope you'd come alongside me with the Life With B podcast and see where this journey of life takes me. Okay, bringing it back in. First up, I wouldn't say that I didn't know this but as I got towards the end of my college education, it just became really real really quickly that I couldn't go back in time and get more experience and I could only make the most of my time left but I wish I would have known or guess like realized sooner um, that my resume building started freshman year or I mean arguably even during my later years of high school but rather that career building field related experiences were exactly what graduate programs wanted to see and also helped to make the content in my classes more meaningful and applicable. Um, so really condensed version of that is, I wish I would have known that resume building started earlier than ha- having the realization later in college. But the reason I say that is um, I did a sales job and worked at the university admissions office. And don't get me wrong, like I really did learn a lot from both positions. I learned how to interact with people, problem solve on my feet, customer service type skills. But I think I may have benefited more from being in like a direct support professional role, CNA, um, substitute teacher, paraprofessional, working at a daycare, um, a little bit more since those fields are more applicable to the scope of practice of a speech pathologist. Um, And again, where that kind of comes from is I did work for a daycare um, part-time during college and 
in one of my classes I took freshman year called language development, um, we talked about how a child immersed in a rich linguistic environment often adapts so quickly and learns so much from their peers around them. And one story I have specifically is while I was working at the daycare, we had a little boy come into our three-year-old's room and he was not an English speaker. His parents spoke their native language, which I believe was Spanish at home. Um, And then his parents did know English, but the little boy didn't know English. And so when he came in to our three-year-old room, it was really difficult to communicate with him at first because he was constantly speaking Spanish. And so we used a lot of nonverbal communication and pointing and I'm kind of asking yes or no questions. And thankfully, um, I knew a little bit of Spanish, so... I could do my best to kind of interpret what he was saying, but as the academic year went on, it was so incredibly amazing to see how quickly he learned English and how by a couple months in, he was already starting to put two and three English words together to communicate what he wanted. And it was just heartwarming to see how He blossomed and learned from the children around him to be able to communicate his wants and needs. And I would sometimes leave and I had one specific revelation after I left one day and I was like, oh my gosh, that is exactly what we talked about in language development. And so it just makes that content so meaningful. Like I'll never forget that as children are enriched in a language um, or immersed in a language rich environment that their learning is just, you know, huge from their peers like I'll never forget that because I saw that firsthand as an experience and so I kind of think back like how many how many more concepts from classes would have been so relevant and meaningful had I worked in fields that were a little more closely aligned with speech pathology but still even in my work as a CNA now and I am graduated um, but I also think you know, you would have similar takeaways if you were working in this role where you were still in school. But just to kind of get that background medical knowledge um, and see some different swallowing and different diets as a work of CNA and um, to see how word finding is impacted in those who, you know, are just on the regular scope of aging, but um, those who also have a mild cognitive impairment, those who have Parkinson's, um, those who are living with post-stroke effects, those who have dementia, um, and, and the progressions of all those diseases are really, really interesting as well. Um, you know, how that affects their communication, their swallowing, their cognitive effects, um, and their overall physical effects. And as I think about that and all those things and the work of a future speech language pathologist, I think it's just super rich experience because, you know, no matter where you work, like that background medical knowledge and just being exposed to some of those terms um, is going to be so helpful because, you know, whether you're working in a school and you're reading a child's chart, that child might be medically complex coming to school. And so for you to be able to understand those different areas that are impacting their life and how your services as a speech language pathologist can impact you know, the different areas of their life is just really interesting. Um, Second thing I wish I would have known was that an SLHS or some colleges call it CSD degree can lead to more career paths than just an SLP. And, you know, coming in, I thought, okay, 
I'm going to go to school. I'm going to finish my degree in three years and then I'm going straight to graduate school. And that, that was like the one path I had to be on. And then another class, um, freshman year kind of taught me that, okay, well, there are a little, you know, a little more, little, there's a little more room for leeway, a little more room for flexibility. And especially I learned that as I started to explore the graduate school process, um, you know, after my second year, kind of starting into my third year. And I mean, a degree in SLHS or CSD can lead to being a speech pathology assistant. Um, and you can certainly do that with a bachelor's degree. Um, it can lead to being an audiologist. You know, I certainly could have applied for audiology school um, or switched my major partway through. And I did for one semester. I was pre-audiology. Um, and through that semester, I, I mean, I certainly do love the field of audiology, but I just can't quite see myself doing that as a forever type of thing. Um, you can work at a hearing aid company, which is really interesting. Um, you know, the deaf and hard of hearing field is is so broad within our scope of practice um, and I think can easily kind of be overlooked sometimes. But our work and knowledge is super applicable to what people do um, at a hearing aid company. So that's definitely a possibility. And then obviously you can be an SLP. Um, you know, I could have explored the options to work in an ear, nose, and throat clinic um, because those physicians rely heavily on our services and are working on the same area of the body as we have knowledge for too. Um, so whether that would be, uh, you know, some type of uh, assistant or you know, something you could certainly be an SLP in that office as well. But because um, both both areas work so closely together, you could certainly serve a clinic, um, an ENT clinic in some type of capacity. Um, and I think, honestly, you could work in nursing home activities too. Like I would have never thought about that until having worked as a CNA in the nursing home and just thinking about like the ideas that they have behind the activities that they actually do was super interesting. Like they do them for fine motor movement, gross motor movement, word finding, um, just trying to keep their cognitive skills as sharp as possible. Um, and then just to like overall enjoyment, like they have an activity once a week called reminiscing where they just, you know, kind of have a topic and they talk about it. And I think that's really healthy for their emotional health as well. Um Again, you could work at a role um, in some capacity with American Sign Language um, or something with an AAC company because, again, uh, both of our areas or both of those areas would work really closely with um, the training and knowledge. And I would kind of be willing to bet, too, that you'd be able to do something within the scope of deaf and hard of hearing teacher. Um, you may need to, you know, go back and get a little bit of training and refine your study and skill, but um, I think the career potential is definitely there. And... I also do want to emphasize one point that really became evident to me my senior year of college um, and kind of an overall bottom line that, you know, whether you have an SLHS or CSD degree, um, and I'm kind of talking to myself about this too, but, you know, just because I have an SLHS or CSD degree does not mean that I have to go into that field. And thankfully I am, and I'm super passionate about the field and can't wait to see where it takes me, but... um I just think like for myself and for anyone else out there, just to not forget that the degree is yours. And, and for uh, someone who is listening to the episode that, you know, they are not invested in speech pathology whatsoever, um, just remember that that degree is yours no matter what fields you study. Um, 
you know, even whether it be a specific degree like education or speech pathology or a little more general broad degree like biology or business, um, that degree is yours. You know, you earned it, you worked for it. And what's so incredible about um, the job market today is A, there's like a million jobs open, but also most places in the job market are so willing to train you to do what they want you to do. Um, And if you're willing to work and you identify your transferable skills and really market yourself, like there's there's no reason why if you have a change of heart, you can't get into a different field that you feel like your passion actually is. And the reason I say that and one um, experience that really like drove home that point of even though you have a degree doesn't mean you have to use it for the rest of your life is because um, my senior year of college I worked for two women who were actually attorneys by trade and then pivoted their entire career to being business owners and there was a ton of learning and creativity that came with that but kind of just a story to prove like a your entire professional life doesn't have to be planned the minute that you get your diploma and b just because you get a degree doesn't mean you can't transfer your skills to another field or learn more skills to work in a different area that you do desire and to see those two women grow and just do what they absolutely love and um, just learn new things every single day was so much fun and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to have been alongside them as they um, built their business the first couple months and the business is thriving like they're doing amazing and the two women are so happy with what they're doing and they have that work-life balance now and that's just so cool to see and um, encouraging as well so just don't forget and I'm telling telling myself this too that you know just because you all of a sudden to get a degree doesn't mean you can't pivot to somewhere else um, And kind of continuing on the same topic as a degree, but a little more specifically related to classes is that I wish I would have known um, the huge aspect of counseling and psychology that's a part of our scope. Um, And I kind of hit on this in episode two when I talked about the scope of practice of a speech language pathologist. Um, But really as an SLP, you're going to counsel really every client you provide services for, whether the counseling takes place more of on a mental health level, emotional you know, emotional health side of things, or whether the counseling is more along the lines of education, bottom line, you're going to counsel your patients. Um, And for some people, they already have that spirit about them where they tend to know exactly what to say and they're great active listeners and they know the right questions to ask. But for others, that takes some practice, which is totally okay. And I'm definitely one of those people where I'd feel more confident in my abilities through a little more practice. But Really, all that to say, had I known that counseling was going to be such a large part of my future profession, I probably would have tried to hop across campus to the school psychology or psychology department and try to take, you know, a counseling class in one of those two areas. Um, And, you know, even if I would have taken that class, it doesn't mean that I would automatically have a gold star in being able to counsel, but I think it would help me to have a little bit more background knowledge in that area. Um as to kind of how to approach things or um, how to make a meaningful interaction with someone um, or point them towards certain resources. And again, kind of a continuation, I wish I would have known about the depth of the medical side of speech language pathology. And again, if I would have known about that, I probably would have tried to minor in biology or um, taken some more biological classes just to get a better understanding about the human body. And as I get to thinking about it, we have 11 body systems. And of the 11, our role as a speech pathologist interacts with at least six of them. Those being 
the nervous system, the muscular system, skeletal, digestive, respiratory, and endocrine. And, you know, our nervous system is our brain and all of our nerves. And so not only is the aspect of your brain literally controls everything your body does, um, you know, so how you're going to communicate and all those, uh, you know, those functions of like swallowing. I don't even think when I swallow, you know, my body just does it. But just to think about those type things, but then the whole nerve, um, nerve aspect of things with, uh, our senses and sensory and that gets into autism and all that but then our muscular system we're obviously interacting with because of all the muscles it takes to swallow and speak and uh, carry out all those movements and then our skeletal system because of not only where those muscles attach but also um, when you look at cleft palate clients um, that's part of their skeletal system that didn't develop as normal and so um, thinking about that knowing where those structures are um, our digestive system, because we work so much with feeding and swallowing, um, I think it'd be really interesting to know more about the digestive system, thinking about acid reflux um, and, you know, comfort of eating and um, the huge aspect of nutrition um, and also respiratory system we interact with, like your your breath and your lungs are your power source for speech. And so it would be interesting to know more about the respiratory system Um and how that can be affected by certain diseases and how that would kind of cross over into our field. And then we do get a little bit of the endocrine system um, with like the new and emerging field of uh, gender affirming voice. A lot of our gender affirming voice clients are going to be on some type of hormone therapy as they transition their gender um, because there tend to be you know, certain hormone levels that are associated more with one gender or another. Um, and I think it'd be interesting to know more about that, um, just to have a greater understanding of what they might be going through as they're um, transitioning to their gender. And again, that would also help us to know like areas of counseling because, you know, and this is kind of going back on topics, but, um, you know, when a client comes to you, you have to look at a whole client and, and my professors really um, emphasized on this as well, just to look at the whole client picture. You know, don't just look specifically at, um, you know, what what you're seeing them for, like just the language impairment or just the speech impairment or uh, just the swallowing difficulty, but to look at like how that language, speech or swallowing difficulty impacts the whole person. And so, um, again, taking that whole person approach to uh, clients who are looking for gender affirming voice services, just to know that them transitioning their voice is only one small piece of a whole picture and to kind of understand that and you um, understand, you know, just some um, me other mental and physical things that they're going through. Um, but back on body systems, so those are the six that we typically interact with, um, but then don't have quite as much interaction with the reproductive system, circulatory, lymphatic, integumentary, and urinary system. But again, basically every system is connected everywhere. So um, I, I think I could have benefited a little bit from um, a couple, you know, biology classes or some a little more bit, a uh, little bit more in-depth um, human anatomy um, and physiology classes, um, just as you think about. Um, so like recently I was doing a dementia training and it was very, very in-depth about the pathophysiology of dementia um, and how there are certain proteins and genes and things they can pick up on when they're um, doing some early testing. And some of them I couldn't even pronounce and like the 
and the little acronyms. I was like, what in the world? So I was doing a whole bunch of Google searching, um, trying to figure out what those were. And that's kind of when I had the realization like, oh, I wonder if I would have taken some microbiology or minored in biology if I wouldn't be able to better understand this. And again, that's probably not something I'm going to use every single day. So, um, but yeah, maybe if I would have known previously, I would have explored that, but not a big deal. Um, but kind of going back, it doesn't mean that we can't or shouldn't be exposed to those other areas of like counseling and biology. Um, because especially in the medical speech pathology field, you're going to have medically complex patients. And like I talked about with, um, possibly treating, uh, a child in the schools that's medically complex, like especially in a medical setting, you're probably going to see someone that's medically complex and just for a greater understanding of when you're reading their chart, uh, you know, to be able to understand what else is taking place in their body or what else um, their diagnosis might be um, affecting. And not only do I wish I would have known that as had that medical SLP realization, I also wish I would have seen the significance and understanding of the school and education side of things. And I didn't really have that realization until I was at orientation for UNL. Um, And so kind of interesting, the state of Nebraska requires speech pathologists who work in the schools to have a teaching certificate. And in order to attain that teaching certificate, um, there are four education classes that are required. And as the woman was speaking about that um, and identifying, you know, A, the classes, but also the significance of that, I kind of got to thinking to myself like, wow, that's going to be so helpful to understand and have more knowledge on how classrooms work and just to kind of be able to communicate on the same level as the teacher and not have to do quite as much of, you know, the classroom teacher explaining their rationale to me or me explaining the rationale to them, but um, just to, yeah, kind of be more on the same page and to make uh, my sessions more meaningful to know what the child is doing in the classroom and, and you know, even with my teaching certificate, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to have to, you know, be really good at communication with the classroom teacher um, and be, you know, mindful of my services to the child. But I think having that teaching certificate is really going to um, help me when planning and thinking about the materials that I do for children in the schools. Um Another thing I wish I would have known is that the high level of competition in undergraduate just is not necessary. And, um, you know, what you do doesn't have to be a secret. And my undergraduate program seemed so competitive. And, like, in a sense, competition can breed success. But looking back, you know, each student isn't the one that decides if the other gets into graduate school. Like, the graduate committee does that. And, you know, although there isn't much I would change about my undergraduate degree, um, if I had the chance to go back, I think I would have networked a little bit more, um, and gotten to know more classmates that I didn't know because in the end, we're all working towards a common cause of just helping people communicate, feed, and swallow across the lifespan. Um, and so just to, even at the undergraduate level, to view my classmates as coworkers and colleagues rather than competition um, because we're all working for a greater purpose, not just the sole purpose of career advancement and, you know, getting into graduate school. Um, another takeaway is to, um, and kind of related to what I was just talking about, is making friends and networking. Like, you never know who your next lead to a job or volunteer opportunity could be. And 
that became so meaningful to me as I progressed through my senior year and I started to speak to people about like um, tell them more about the field that I was going into and the schools I was looking at for graduate school and I don't think I could count the number of times that someone said oh I know someone that works there or I know someone that works at this hospital or this school or this field or you know and how thoughtful those people were to say like oh, if you end up going to this school or working in in this area, let me know because I have connections and, you know, I'll connect you with this person. And so uh, just kind of an encouragement to to make friends and network. And I was friends with quite a few girls in my class, um, but I do wish I would have gotten to know more of them. Um, we did have a big class, but doesn't mean I couldn't have, um, you know, gotten to know more of them. But um, networking is also so important too, because like I said, you never know who who your next job lead or volunteer lead is going to be and you know whether you move somewhere and uh you know need a roommate or just need someone to text or call if you need a recommendation or a job recommendation and also the the importance of volunteering like not only is it just giving back to the community but there's a, so many valuable experiences that can be learned through volunteer work and you know there's a small component of networking to volunteering as well but also volunteering is great for graduate school and job applications um, and organizations want to see that you're willing to give of your time and not be compensated for it and in high school I was a volunteer at a local horse ranch um, that's actually run by an SLP so it was cool to see how she was integrating speech pathology into training with horses and I was learning communication skills with the children's parents and communication with the children as well. And more specifically, I learned um, how to communicate that in, in, a con- in a concise, professional manner and tell the parents how their child was and then also like redirect the children um, or give them simple directions and obviously praise and encouragement as they're completing the activity or task. Um, and in college, the club I was in was collaborating with so many groups across the two cities that the college was in um, and just so many opportunities to be able to be a part of different organizations and volunteer. Um, Plus by getting to know more people you can learn how small the world really is um, and how someone you know just might even know someone that you know. For example one of my friends worked at a preschool and her boss's daughter is going to the same graduate program um, and we've already connected via social media and are planning on grabbing coffee or something when we move in and get to um, you know both get to Lincoln and are going to start our program together. So just super exciting. Uh, but kind of kind of a longer episode today. But I know quite a few of you who listen are future SLPs. So I thought I would share what I wish I would have known when I was beginning or in college. So I hope you were able to learn and little learn listen and learn a little bit of something um, or if you've already completed your CSD or SLHS degree. Um, did you feel like some of the things that I spoke about or things that you wish you would have known or kind of realizations you had. And and if you did, definitely reach out um, and let me know. I would be super interested to see what you possibly wish you would have known. Um, also want to touch on the, uh, the note of inconsistency of episodes um, before we close. And I definitely do apologize about that. I want to really pick a certain day for episodes to consistently be released so you all can kind of know what to expect Um, and if you have a preference on a day let me know but as of right now I'm thinking either Mondays at 9 a.m. or Fridays at 9 a.m. so with that I'll need to do a little bit more planning and kind of mapping out of the episodes and timing and stuff but I'll definitely let you know so you can plan on episodes Um, and I think once I lock in that publishing schedule that that would definitely be the same through the rest of the summer. 
but might change this fall depending on how everything goes. Um, again, I'll definitely keep you posted. Uh, but on the plan, on the topic of planning, next episode will be a life topic about um, my faves of Fargo Moorhead. And having lived in the city of Fargo Moorhead for three years during college, I really grew to love the area and all that has available. And I look forward to publishing every episode, um, but I'm specifically looking forward to this one, partially because I love recommending places to um, stop at, but also because it takes me back to a city that I truly love. Um, And I'm thinking I'll include restaurant recommendations, uh, maybe a place or two to stay, things to do, and places to shop. Uh, Maybe more, who knows, um, in the middle of planning for that now, but stay tuned, uh, especially if you've never been to the Fargo area or are not familiar um, with it. And you've nearly reached the end of another episode of the Life with B podcast. But before you go, the easiest way to be a part of the Life with B community is to follow the podcast, click the bell for notifications, and rate the show after you've listened. Um, or follow me on Instagram as I post updates about the page and or the podcast as well. Um, my Instagram handle is in the description of the podcast. And please know I'm always super open to feedback. So if you have any ideas on how I can improve your listening experience, please reach out. Um, and I'm more than willing to chat. Uh, but thank you so much for pressing play. It's truly a joy to be able to share with all of you on this platform. Have a blessed day.